Hey guys, before we start tonight's podcast, I want to bring up something that is really important to us. If you haven't seen the devastation that has been happening in Australia, we need to bring it to your attention. Imagine that 70% of America was on fire or already destroyed. That is the reality that they are living every day. We have a ton of amazing Aussie Wings fans who have started a GoFundMe to try and help the families that have lost absolutely everything to these massive wildfires. Please check out our Twitter at GrindlinePod for a link and give if you can. If you can't, we understand, but would be thankful if you could share the link. Every bit helps. We are sending our thoughts to everyone in Australia and hope you all stay safe during these hard times. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 81. We are back after New Year break and I am here with Tyler tonight. Uh, Tyler, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you, Greg. I am doing good. How about yourself? I'm, uh, you know, alive. Not feeling super great, but I guess it's going around. Michigan's like the second sickest state in the entire country right now, so that's pretty neat. So I've heard from work. People have actually uh, been complaining to me about that today at work, and uh, made for a very interesting conversation with people. Um, agents, however, weren't the nicest today, but we'll, uh, we'll leave that for another day, another conversation for another day. That's why I don't work with people. So, uh, we got a little bit to talk about. I mean, there's honestly really nothing going on in Red Wings land where we continue to spiral out of control, but we did have some of our prospects recently over in the World Junior Championship, which started after Christmas and went through to just a few days ago, uh, which is honestly, if you haven't watched, it's one of the more exciting hockey events because it is all the people that are coming into the league or are about to go into the draft um, or maybe a few years away from the draft. So we got to see a lot of prospects. We had, I believe they cut it down to uh, five or six Red Wings prospects were in the tournament. Uh, the top ones were uh, Mo Sider for Germany, uh, Joe Valeno and Jared McIsaac for Canada. And we had John- Jonathan Berggren and Jesper Eliasson for Sweden. And I, I would say that for the Red Wings, it went pretty well i mean canada won gold valeno and mcisaac were on team canada uh cider and i mean cider and you got to think in tim stutzel were probably the top players for germany and then the rest of them are uh, oh dominic bach too but the rest of them are going to have a pretty uh difficult time getting drafted there may be a few that go in the second round uh germany's just not a super strong team but they did avoid relegation Uh, against Kazakhstan Uh, but Tyler what were your overall impressions I guess of the tournament and how some of our prospects did well I love the tournament Um, personally since I I think I've talked about this before um, since since the NHL has decided to kind of forego the Olympics or and and the World Cup of Hockey and all that the uh, World Juniors is kind of the highest level of international hockey besides the world championships, I guess, but the, the, you know, those, those squads aren't at full strength. And uh, you know, so, so the world juniors is like the last time that you can really represent your country where it matters until further notice. Um, so I love the tournament. Um, you see a lot of these players either um, during the Stanley cup, you know, a couple of these players are in the Stanley cup playoffs, or you see, you'll see some of them definitely next year. Um, and then obviously the year after, and as the years go on, Oh yeah. You know, this guy played for team USA. This guy played for Canada, you know, whatever in the world juniors. And so you do start to see some of those names and they, they that's how in, in a way they become household names. You know, I mean, obviously a guy like Connor McDavid was going to be known regardless whether he played in that tournament or not, but you have certain guys like Troy Terry that no one really knew about. And he ended up, you know, doing a great job for Team USA against Russia, you know, a couple of years going back. Um, you know, it, it, it really kind of makes players household names. As far as the Red Wings go, I mean, you had Bergerin, you had McIsaac, you had Valeno, you had Eliasson, um, and then obviously a potential prospect in Alexi Lafreniere, who they all looked good, I would say. I mean, they didn't, no, no one really stood out besides um, Cider, who was, uh, looked like a, Looked like a, a pro-ready player. I mean, th- th- you talk to scouts, and, and scouts will tell you, you know, this guy looks like a junior hockey player. He's got, he's got a lot of junior hockey in him. And uh, that means, you know, it's too much stick handling, too much fancy stuff, and not enough, you know, north-south, get the puck deep, you know, and, and be hard on the puck, that kind of thing. 
Well, Mo Sider looked really good. He looked polished. He was the best player out there. I believe he led the tournament in, in time on ice. Um, he was out there, what, about 27, 28 minutes? Yeah, a game. He, there was a game where I think he was pretty close to a half an hour of ice time. Like He played literally like half the game. So. Yeah, that's insanity. That's 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 total insanity. And and for someone that's played the game of hockey, I mean, not at the high level like that, but like I've just played the game at, at you know a, a junior level, and and to play twenty five minutes a night, that's that's insane. Um, to even play twenty minutes a night, you're you're dead tired the next day. So uh, that's just a credit to his um, his stamina and his ability to to really just kind of be out on the ice. Now, I, I wouldn't expect that when he gets to the NHL level, not right away, but as time does go on, he will start to get see a bump in minutes, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they give him a little bit of an opportunity going down the stretch, and at least bef- not those, not all eight games, but I would say he'd get a little bit of a shot anyways, wouldn't he? I would say that, uh, to go back to your point, that's also a credit to the coach's belief in, in Sider's ability. I think yes. that's the big thing. Sider was captain of Team Germany. Uh, he was he played with Team Germany last year in the World Juniors. This year he came back as captain, had six points in seven games, and was an even uh, zero for plus minus. I think he was only on ice for one 5v5 goal, uh, which shows you kind of his shutdown ability and just how how well he plays the game now i don't know if that was the case in relegation because i didn't watch germany's relegation uh matches but he i I, i'll tell you he was probably the best defenseman they'll say that rasmus sandin was voted like the best defenseman in the in the tournament but i think that's just because germany went to relegation so they won't really vote a a player that was going that didn't like go to a, a medal to to one of the best players in the tournament, but everyone will tell you, like looking at the way Cider plays he, for, for his age, it's like the maturity is at the next level. He just, the way he stick handles is insane. When he's got the puck, you're not getting it away from him. He thinks he takes time to think before he moves. Um, he plays the body. He like killed a guy. He laid one of the Kazakh players yep. out at center ice and just so so much so that the Red Wings uh, they posted it on Instagram and I believe probably Twitter as well that uh, Mo Sider Cronwald somebody uh, was that in the relegation round against uh, Kazakhstan? That, yeah, that Kazakhstan? was. Um, but <laughs> Sider is six foot four, one ninety eight. So at that that size, he's laying people out. He's probably going to gain. I'd like to see him at two ten. Give him yeah. another twelve pounds. Like the kid's going to be huge. So how big is Victor Hedman? Uh God, you asked me this question off the top of my head. I don't know how big Victor Hedman is. Uh, well, let me we'll see. Find out. Victor Hedman is six foot uh six six two twenty nine. Okay, well, you know, six four and six six, you know, obviously there's a little bit of difference there, but in terms of of ability and meanness. Cider has some mean in him. He has some Victor Hedman in him. A lot of people like to say he has some Lidstrom in him. I don't think, I mean, maybe that's the case because he's really calm. The poise. I think he has a little bit more Victor Hedman than uh, Nicholas Lidstrom. I mean, nobody's Nick Lidstrom. Let's just, let's just not kid ourselves here. I mean, Cider's going to be really good, but if he's a fraction of what Nicholas Lidstrom was, we'll, we'll be in for a special player. That's for sure. Yeah, Cider. Just a lot of the a lot of the moves he's he was making. I mean, I just watch you watch him, and you kind of like hold your jaw shut because of just how he carries himself. And it, it looked like a men among boys when he's on the ice, uh, yep. trying to. And he gets the puck in. He's great quarterback for a power play. He he finds the open ice, the open space, and he gets it to the guys in in the right position. Now his teammate, who could be a future Red Wings draft pick in Tim Stutzel was probably Germany's second best player who uh, played on the top line uh, for a lot of the time. And Tim Stutzel's probably rated to go third or fourth. Um, Tim Stutzel had five games played, five assists. He was a minus two, but he also was out there and looked just, I mean, physically bigger. He's six foot 187. Um, but his game was just that next level. He's fast. Uh, he can score. 
Uh, he didn't do any scoring in the World Juniors, but he can score, and, and he's got some flair to him. So if the Red Wings fall to fourth, you could get one of Sider's teammates from Team Germany. I'm really hoping and praying that uh, the hockey gods will be on our side and we end up with uh, Alex Lafreniere because that kid, uh, he looks polished. He looks. We talk about uh, Mo Sider as being more of a professional, polished player, um, more than a junior player. And, and Alex Lafreniere, I mean, he's he's unbelievable, man. He's he's polished. He's physical. He's you see big. The, the his move where he threw the puck off the back of the yeah. net to himself, <laughs> just around someone. Yeah, and. and, and you know, that's just a credit to him. You know, he, he, he got hurt. He really didn't have to come back for Team Canada, and he did. He had, what, five points in ten games? or, or No, no, no. Ten points in five one. games. Yeah, four ten goals, six five. assists. Yes. So that's just a credit to him for coming back. And, and, and what did he miss? Two games, I believe? Yeah. So that's 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 really impressive. He was he was probably the best player in the tournament. Um, oh, by far. Really do. Um and, and obviously Arizona has a special player in Barrett Hayden. Um, I like that Gregory Denisenko kid from, from Russia. Um, I believe he was a Florida Panthers draft pick. He, he looked really good. There's a lot of great players in the tournament. Um, you really, like I said, the tournament itself is, is a wonder to watch, especially when you have a, a Red Wing season like this. Um, you look forward to those games, and, and this year they were at a pretty good time, although next year will be in Canada, so it'll be uh, the time period and, and everything like that will be back to normal. So like 4 o'clock start. Actually, the 4 o'clock games will be at 7 o'clock Eastern time, and then the, the 7 o'clock games will be at 10 o'clock. So that's even better than what we had this year um, because Red Deer and Edmonton. So Yeah, and, so. and to Joe Valeno's credit, I mean six points in six games, a goal and five yep. assists, a plus three. And and hopefully, and I think we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, hopefully he can bring that back to Grand Rapids. Um, Joe Valeno looked good as, as a top-line center for Team Canada, and and I think he needs to kind of bring that same style game to Grand Rapids if he wants to yeah. come up next season. Now, I had said previously on Twitter that I don't think Valeno will be up at the beginning of next season. I think he'll probably need another half season after this one in Grand Rapids, unless he really shows that uh, he's taken his game to the next level, because in Grand Rapids, there have just been times where he's, I mean, been unnoticeable out there on the ice. And I think for someone that you want to be a second line center, you need to be more noticeable. You need to have very high level polish to your game because the center is an important position. The center is where we are very lacking on this team currently. And if your plan for him is to come in and play center, uh, he needs to step his game up a bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, Valeno looked really good. He looked like a, a good 200 foot player. And so that is important as you go forward. And that will translate to the NHL level playing defense. He was fast. I mean, he's not the most physical guy in the world, but you know, that, that will come. Um, and he's good stick on stick. He's good in the faceoff circle. Um, and, and I really liked the way he played. Now he didn't put up the points like what, like a lot of people thought he would, you know, that, that, and he didn't play one of them, right? Cause Canada was supposed to play seven games, right? And they only played six. Well, right? Valeno got suspended. Uh, oh, that's a game right. That's right. Yep. For the headbutt. Yep. So that's kind of another point is that that game got a little chippy. Uh, Valeno did, I, I, by textbook definition, headbutt a guy. Uh, and any kind of infraction that goes against the IIHF rules, you will get suspended. So he was suspended yeah, a game for a headbutt. Yeah, can we just talk about something for a second here? And and uh, yes, so I, I I do agree. You know that by the letter of the law, it's a suspension. And you know he did he served it. So you know what? It, I don't know if you saw the gold medal game yesterday, but the Russians got fucked over big time. Um, and and you know obviously they had to convert on the five on three or whatever. But um, you know I don't know if you saw it, Greg. Did you see it? No, I was working. Okay, so so. I'll set it up for you real quick here. So basically it's a four, three team Canada and Russia had a five on four. So they had a regular power play. And one of the Canadians shoots the puck. I think it was Raphael Lavoie. He shot the puck clearly out. 
and instead of it like clearing out it i mean it did go over the glass by the letter of the law this should have been um delay of game it goes up and it hits the camera where where you know the two penalty boxes are and they got together they got to, this is the part that aggravates me they got together and still got the call wrong they deemed that 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 camera on top of the penalty box was in play and it was just a regular face off down deep yeah they so did, someone they posted the rules after that uh that basically said the the rule says if the puck touches any item out of play then a penalty is is assessed so if they considered that in play like in the field of the ice but i would i would think at least then it would have been whistled down for like puck going into the net or something like that right but but i mean the puck clearly cleared cleared the glass and and it would have been a delay of game had that camera now and, you know, now that now win. tyler the camera's lens is made out of glass so is that technically puck off the glass eh, i don't know i mean that's interesting to say that but i don't think it touched the lens i think it touched black part of it at, at any rate you know i mean russia can say what they did and then they take an undisciplined penalty i believe their assistant captain took an undisciplined penalty where like this happened earlier in the game where a guy was lost at the bumper position and he went to just like kind of lift the stick to um to you know just get a little bit of a passing lane i think it was valeno actually that that did it and he went to lift the stick and the guy's stick went flying and they called them for interference now the same thing happened right after they dropped the puck after this this non-call against russia or against canada that would have been for russia it would have been a five on three instead he lifts the stick up the guy's stick was flying and it ends up being a four on four canada you know and, and then Russia ends up taking another penalty on the floor where they had a slap shot from the blue line and the, the kid's stick broke and he went to play it with a broken stick. And you see the famous him throwing the stick there. So Russia definitely came unglued. Canada had that 3-1, or Russia had the 3-1 lead and Canada came back with under 10 minutes to go and ended up winning the game. So it was a great game. Good good, good tournament. You know, they, they really don't fail to... to uh, impressed that tournament's great every single year but enough of that so yeah and our, uh, just to go over the couple other prospects that were there jared mcisaac had uh, four points in seven games which is good for him after coming back from uh pretty extensive surgery in the off season uh he just actually came back to playing a few weeks ago so that's i mean i'll take four i'll take four points in seven games and a plus four rating yeah, he looked Kaisek. really good too, Greg. You know, he was on the first deep pair for Team Canada most of the time, and he looked really good. You know, he's blocking shots, which, which at the next level that plays. Obviously, I mean, obviously you got to be careful where you're blocking the shot, and if you're being reckless about it. But for the most part, he was really good. I mean, he was fast. He was physical. He, he he has a really good shot. I mean, he was on their power play unit, I I believe. And and he looks. I texted Ryan. I said, "McIsaac looked really damn good." And uh, you know, he's just he's unbelievable. There's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, there's still going to be some more you know years of pain, but uh, definitely some positivity in in such a bleak season. Yeah, and then Jonathan Berggren was the other uh, player for Sweden who had five points in seven games, a goal and four assists, was a plus one. Bergeron had, I mean, a lot of stuff that I see from him is like bordering on highlight reel moves. Uh, he had some between the leg action uh, in, at the World Juniors, and he just he is a smooth skater. He can move his way around people. He's fast. He's five eleven, so he's a little smaller, um, but it looks like he's really slimmed down and toned up quite a bit. Uh, if I looked at a picture, I saw him his, his picture pop up on the world junior feed, I'm like, wow, he looks thinner, uh, but his weight is up. So he slimmed down and he, he gained some muscle, which is, is going to be really good for him. And I'm hoping that he can come over to Grand Rapids next season and, and maybe into the wings in, in two to three. So Bergeron will be a good uh, future player for when we're getting ready to, to hop back into the playoffs. But We'll go on from the World Juniors to our all-star for the Detroit Red Wings, which kind of surprised me. So Tyler Bertuzzi was named to the all-star game. Now, 
Bert, of course, Bert deserves to go. He's probably been one of our more consistent players. He leads the team in points, I think, right now. Um, Bert is just, I mean, in every game, grinding in the corners. Uh, as with all the Red Wings right now, we'll slip up every once in a while. But I, he's just brings it every night, uh, gets in the dirty areas. He's really good at tipping the puck in. And I think he deserves the All-Star game nod. Now, I was surprised that it wasn't Heronic. Yeah, I was surprised too. I mean, when it comes to when it comes to Red Wings and, and you think of players that, that have been really good this year for the Wings, I mean, Philip Heronic has been our, probably our best defenseman. I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And then, Yeah, I mean, Bertuzzi is, is the best forward right now. I mean, but Dylan Larkin obviously is up there as well. It's not producing. I would say level. Dylan Larkin is our most skilled forward. He has yes. the most yeah. talent of, of yep. our forwards. Um, but right now, I mean, Bertuzzi, 15 goals, 16 points, th- uh, 15 goals, 16 assists, 31 points in 43 games. I mean, again, and we'll just keep saying it, that's more than I think you ever yep. thought Bertuzzi would be. That's more yep. than, I mean, more than what you expect for your number 58 overall pick. He's playing like a top line player. And I mean, it's just he has the drive to play and he has the passion for for the game. And I think that's what kind of moves him forward. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bertuzzi, when you talk, we talked about this. I I don't know if we were all together at at this point in time, but uh, I know on the previous versions of this podcast, we talked about, um, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi coming up and, you know, was he going to be good and this and that and the other thing. And we thought he was just going to be a physical guy that, you know, would, put a couple pucks in the back of the net and then he would fight and you know that kind of thing but he's really become a good playmaker like even we we were at a bar last night watching the red wings and the blackhawks because because whenever they're on nbc i like to go out and watch the game if if possible you know so you don't have Uh, to hear pierre yes exactly so i don't have to hear pierre and i have to spend my money and drink some beer you know regardless (laughs) So regardless, I mean, Bertuzzi impressed me, but not only did he impress me, but my friend next to me that hates the Red Wings, he goes, man, Bertuzzi looks good, huh? And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's the Wings all-star. He's like, oh, my God. I never thought I'd hear that about Tyler Bertuzzi. So, I mean, that's really a credit to him. You know, he's he's really become a good player. And obviously, he's playing with good players, but he's he's really come into his own. He's a really good playmaker. And he's not the most physical guy in the world, but he will get his nose dirty, and he can put the puck in the net. He's actually become a better goal scorer than I thought he would be, too. Do you remember when he first came up, he'd have all these kind of opportunities, and he wouldn't put the puck in the net, and you could just see it was starting to mount on the, the frustration. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started putting the puck in the net, and he's already got 15 goals. So, I mean, 20 isn't out of reach, and maybe even 25. Who knows? Yeah, I think the thing is, is he's really gotten good at the deflections. He's really taken up kind of what Abdicator should have been doing for the past five seasons and just sitting in front of the net, mixing it up, and then tipping pucks in the net. And that's, that's that's great hockey sense, too. That's the other thing that you might want to add. As well. well, yeah, but he's also good at agitating people. Yes, uh, yep. His his big thing, though, I mean, he'll just st- sit there, sit in front of the goalie so the goalie can't see anything, provide a good screen, and just tip pucks. And he yep. even, I mean, posted a picture of, of him over the summer, and he's wearing a, a, a tank top that says, just the tip. So <laughs> it's, I mean, that's his that's his mantra, I guess. And uh, besides the fact that his mom says he needs to wash his hair. He's gone but, to the school, uh, Tomas Holmstrom, then. Yeah, but that's just, I mean, that's what he keeps doing. And, and it's, of course, shots from Larkin, shots from Mantha. That's what, they get it to the net and he puts it in. And that's that's where he gets his bread and butter. That's what's bringing him to the All-Star game. Now, the reason I say that I'm surprised it wasn't Hronik is because, one, Hronik is right now our only good defenseman. You cannot say there is another good defenseman on our team currently. Um, Chalowski's back in Grand Rapids before he got sent down. He was not, uh, performing well. Mike Green has been a disaster. Uh, Trevor Daly's yeah. been a disaster. Jonathan Erickson's a disaster. Uh, Trevor then, Daly might be out for a while now too, after blocking that shot. Against yeah. Chicago. He's just old and injured now about 
Patrick Nemeth, I will say that Nemeth has been serviceable. Nemeth has been one of our better defensive defensemen. And uh, it, but besides that, I mean, Nemeth's not on the ice for a lot of points. He's not uh, putting the puck in the net. He's not uh, an assist machine. But Philip Hronik, who we've seen, he's in his second season now. Well, I guess he's in his first and a half season. Uh, but in 41 games, has 23 points. He's matched his total from last season on an arguably worse team. Yep. He's cut down his penalty minutes, and he's just been a, a good quarterback for the power play, which is what you kind of hoped Mike Green would be. Yep. And, and I mean, he's just proving himself to be a, a top-end caliber NHL defenseman. Now, the play whips the puck around yeah, pretty good. And, for a team that's terrible, that first power play unit that they have is great. I, like I said, the, the last night was the first time I actually got to sit down and watch a full game from start to finish without having to worry about something. And uh, and you know that was that was he the the power play stood out to me. They looked really good. Well, they yeah, because you know what power play good. one is. Power play one is Larkin, Bertuzzi, Fabry, Zadina, Haranek. And it would be Mantha if it if if um, if it would if it wasn't Fabry, yeah. Exactly. And and let's talk about Robbie Fabry for a second. He's got 19 points and he's got 10 goals and nine assists. I mean, he's a minus 21, but obviously this is a bad team. So the entire you know, team is a minus, I believe, in, except for Darren Helm. Oh yeah, Darren Helm's plus one. Yeah, I do see that. <laughs> yeah. Um. In terms of in terms of pickups though Robbie Fabry has been a really solid pickup I mean he he's another guy you could have argued for to be in the all-star game he's been unbelievable for the yeah Wing. and I think that's why we said you just give Athanasius money to Robbie Fabry and you move on but yep, I, yep. uh but I yeah I would say that that Hironic is is a future top pair defenseman now yep. Hironic is not going to be paired with Cider obviously because they're both right-handed shots so, depending on the status of Danny DeKaiser, I guess your your top line could look your top defensive pair could be Hronik DeKaiser, and and then your second D pair could be um, it's going to be Cider and question mark Chalowski. How about that? It could be Chalowski. Um, depending on how Chalowski again finishes in Grand Rapids and does in the off season. Did now, what? I said Cider and Tory Krug. Well, uh, apparently the Tory Krug stuff has been squashed. They say he's in he's in contract talks with Boston. Yeah, so. but what is that? Boston has a, a cap crunch that they're going to have to meet at some point, and I don't think that they're going to sign him. Not especially if he's going to want five million a year. I just don't think Boston can can do that. They have McAvoy at some point that they're going to pay. They have Carlo that they kind of paid, but not really. And he's actually been. Way better than McAvoy. So. Well, McAvoy's their their Krug replacement, isn't he? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, but Krug Krug would be a good a good Red Wing because if you look at our back end, I he'd mean, be hometown look, guy, look, veteran defenseman. Just look at this for a second. You have you have um, Hronik with twenty three points. You have Bowie with twelve points. No one else has over. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Gr- Green has seven. Nemeth has seven. Then you have the Kaiser with four, but Bowie's Hicketts gone, with dude. Two. Yeah, Bowie's, Bowie's gone. Go- Bowie's gone. Hicketts, you know, with two, and then everybody else has one. Biega one, Daly one, Lashoff one. Erickson has zero. Mikkelrev has zero. <laughs> you know, so it's like you would you would get some production out of Cor- Tory Krug. Well, of course. I mean, Tory Krug is a, is a top pair defenseman, second pair defenseman, but. I mean, then at that point, if you get Krug, your top pairing is—is is he a right or left shot, Tory Krug? He's a left shot. Yeah. He's so your top shot. pairing is Tory Krug and Philip Ronick. Then your second pair is probably DeKaiser and Cider. Yeah. And then your third, which is good. Yeah. Then your third pair is Dumb and Dumber, whoever you decide to keep or bring up or whatever, because there's literally like no one else in the Griffin system that is going to be a full-time Red Wing. There is no one on the Red Wings right now that needs to be brought back. Mike Green doesn't need to be brought back. Daly sure as shit doesn't need to be brought back. Erickson's gone. Golowski would be would be the, the other guy that, that uh I, I 
you know, defensemen do take a little bit to, to develop. And there was a point in time, not this year, but last year when, when Trelaski got called up or, or he made the team out of camp and he looked really good. And then he did start to struggle and Jeff Blaschel obviously probably didn't do him any favors by fucking benching him. Um, was that on his birthday? And that was on his birthday and his homecoming, I believe. Home. Yeah, he was at home in, in uh, Vancouver. And then he didn't get to play in that. And then they sent him back down. He didn't see anything until the end of the year. Um, and then this year has been a little bit of the same. He was good at the beginning of the year. And then he got worse and worse. And now he's in the AHL. This was supposed to be a year that he was supposed to just, I mean, think about the, the defenseman we have. You know, Mickelrath, who's, yeah. you know, you have Bowie, you have um, Biega. I mean, you don't think Dennis Cholosky should be in a roster spot over Alex freaking Biega? No, but I think this the is, point— This is Cholosky's own problem. I think the point is, though, the reason that he's not in the lineup over someone like Biega or the reason that he's not in the lineup over someone like Bowie is because they don't want to ruin his development. They don't want to keep him in and have him keep doing poorly and not learning yeah. and not developing and not getting big minutes because that's kind of a waste. People have given up on Dennis Schlowski, and Dennis Schlowski is 21 years old. That's like saying, and, and people did this too, well, Philip is a bust. Philip Zadina came up, and he played nine games. He's not destroying the AHL. He's not destroying the NHL. He's a bust. Well, he just turned 20 in November. And now, since he's been up, uh, since December, when he came up in December, has been the second best uh, rookie in the league behind Victor Olofsson. What did you think of that shot by Zadina last night? That Zadina snipe, I mean, you could not have placed it any better. And you know that's where he was aiming for. And if Crawford would have moved his head uh, two inches to the left, he would have been in concussion protocol. Because, like, that, that was a wicked shot. And he gave himself the space to do it. And it's right on the money where he wanted it. And that is you the know? kind of skill that Zadina has. I, 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 when I was watching that game, like I said, I was at a bar watching it and I turned to my friend and I said, is that Kia Kucherov? He sh- look at the shot, the, the, the way he shot that puck, his hands were kind of up on the stick, kind of like Austin Matthews and the Kia Kucherov shoot. And he just rifled that into the net. That was an absolute snipe. That was, I mean, the two goals that I remember of Phillips Sedina is the first goal that he ever had. It was in Colorado. Against right? the Avalanche, yep. Against the Avalanche. It was like on the half wall, so that was Kucherov. Yep, I fell asleep 15 seconds before that goal happened. <laughs> I remember watching it. I was falling asleep because those late games. Cause that was a late, late game. game. And uh, and then, you know, then you had that goal last night. And it's like, okay, all right, Cooch. Or, or, all right, Zadina, let's see, let's see some more of that. Um, I think that's uh, that's one of those players that you could see on the team for ten years. Yeah, and I mean his thing to too. The thing too is he's he's on the second line, but he does not have the best line mates. I mean he's oh. playing with what Philpola right now, so it's Philpola and not even Fabry because Fabry's on the top line. So who's your second line? Glenn Denning, Philpola, Zadina. I'll tell you what. You start to see a light at the end of the tunnel, though, when when you start thinking about this. Well, yeah. You know, obviously, obviously, you start thinking down the road. You might, you know, you'd have Larkin, Mantha, and then you know maybe Bertuzzi on the first line, and then potentially um, slot. I'm just going to slot in Lafreniere because who knows? I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm you, not could saying we're in, them, you could slot in. You could slot in Tim Stutzel. You could slot in Lucas in Raymond. Yeah, you know that you have. Okay, so you you could go. Valeno, Zadina, and then, you know, whoever's going to be the, the first-round pick this year. Um, you know, you have Jonathan Bergeron, who could end up being a really good player in this league. Um, there's, there's, there, You start to see a light at the end of the tunnel when you're talking about forward. You know, Robbie Fabry will be here. You, you have – there's a ton of really good players on the offensive side of the puck who, who I think are going to put the puck in the back of the net for the wings. Well, if and you... then, you know, oh, go ahead, sorry. As to say, so looking even at Zadina's stats for for census call up, 18 games, four goals, six assists, 10 points. Now the impressive stat is is Philip Zadina has two penalty minutes in 18 games, uh, so he's not making angry moves, he's not making wrong moves, and for how much he's on the puck and when he loses it, for how much he goes back to get it and how much he's on the boards and back checking 
to have only two penalty minutes in 18 games is pretty damn impressive for how much he's on that puck, which means yep. he's not hacking and whacking. He's not slashing people. He's not tripping people. He's playing a very disciplined, solid game, and he's not just scoring goals. He's also become a pretty excellent playmaker. Yeah, it looks like he wants to be there. It doesn't look like he's the type of guy that wants to go back to Grand Rapids and have to worry about all that bullshit. Although, he for the playoffs, he'll probably end up down there, assuming they make it. Um, but at this level, I mean, who knows? It might be a Bertuzzi situation from a couple of years ago. You know, they, they just said, oh, no, well, maybe we'll just go to the World Championships and get to play for Czech Republic over there. Um, that might be a better play than having play in the AHL, even though, you know, winning a championship at the AHL level deep in the playoffs might be good for him. But you know what? He's playing at this level. I would just keep him at this level and send him to the championships, get him get him some uh, some more reps and, and let him play with some great players and uh, just kind of go from there. I mean, no, I, that's, that would be my trajectory. They'll definitely give him to Grand Rapids. There's no way they're not going to put him in the AHL playoffs, especially if he takes off with the Red Wings. And say by the end of, say, in in another, what do we got, 40 games left, 38 games left? Yeah. Say he gets another 20 points, and he's at 30 points in, in 48 games or whatever. That's, I mean, that's a good season for a, a rookie season. So I think I think sending him to Grand Rapids and getting him that tough that tough experience in the playoffs where, where your schedule is grueling and the energy is up and you're, getting, you're actually battling... I think that's probably going to be the best for him because then you also have him playing with someone like Valeno, um, future yeah, line mates to develop with. I guess either way you could, I could see either way. I mean, but there's, there's definitely benefits to both way. I mean, the world championships, you get him that, that atmosphere. You also get him playing with some really good NHL players um, at that level and on, on the Czech Republic side. Um, but you know, there, there, there's obviously benefits of him playing in Grand Rapids, getting, playing time with um Valeno and uh and you know some some other players down there but you know there's like I said there's there's uh there's definitely a double-edged sword to that too though because he's been playing at the NHL level to send him back down that might be a little bit of uh not a slap in the face but definitely something no, that's, probably that's more of a kick it. in the nuts but, yeah exactly yeah. exactly I don't think he's going anywhere I mean uh, Iserman burned the year of his contract for a reason. He sees yeah. what the kid can do. Zadina's shown what he can do. There's no reason to send him down. Um, People are freaking out about Iserman uh, not making any moves and, and just kind of standing. Stop this, freaking out. Stop freaking out. This is a season. There, There's going to be a season in the next couple of years where he makes a ton of moves. And and you start to see where where this team is going to look. You start to see when when they when they're going to start competing and, and who's going to play where and this and that and the other thing. Um, but this is not the season for that. This is the season, the first season. This is the observed season. Yeah. Like Shanahan when he fi- finally took over, he took the first year observed, and then the, the next year he fired everybody. Do you remember that he fi- yeah. he brought he he. They brought him in, and he he oversaw an entire season, and he fired everybody. Everybody was gone, and so um, I'm not saying Eisenman's going to do that because I don't think that's the case. But this is the year that he's observing, and he's seeing Scott, and he's seeing what coaches he likes, what players he likes, what he does and doesn't like, and he's going to go from there. Yep. So back to the All Star Game, uh, Dylan Larkin made some interesting comments. So he was asked, I think, by Helene St. James, one of the beat writers, asked Dylan Larkin, they're like, so the, the fan vote's coming up. Uh, do you want like do you want to be voted in? The fans uh, can vote you in. Uh, his response was somewhat to the effect of, please don't vote me in. I would like the days off. Those are kind of days where I can like recuperate and get ready to play again. Well, so I... So I agree with him. I see nothing wrong with that comment that he made. Everyone hates playing in the All-Star game because it is completely pointless. You risk injuring yourself. Dylan Larkin is our best player. So to hurt himself and put us in an even deeper hole as the, I guess, quote-unquote captain of the team, he he doesn't want to hurt himself. He doesn't want to put his team in a bad position. 
he wants the time to rest, the time to, to get back to because he's playing a ton of minutes every night and that extra rest can can help him out because he's logging some of the most minutes. So Brian Burke, who I guess was possessed by the ghost of Don Cherry, came out with some comments against Dylan Larkin. So Brian Burke said, it's stupid. This kid is a good kid and he's a good player, but it's an honor to be a part of the All-Star Weekend. It's a very important weekend for the National Hockey League and its sponsors and broadcast partners. You should get a speeding ticket on your way to the airport to fly to this game, Dylan Larkin, and you shouldn't scoff at it like that. He said, a player acquires the right to turn down uh, like Alexander Ovechkin, but that's after he played in about 12 or 15 of these. International hockey, all the other stuff he's done, all the playoffs, Burke said. Once you've done that, you can say no to this game. Otherwise, if you're voted in, get on a plane and keep your mouth shut. Burke said if he was Iserman, he would have gone down there and ripped his face off for the comments. If that was one of my players, I would have said, how could you be that dumb in front of a camera? If you're going to be that stupid, do it off camera. Now, one, I do not agree at all with Brian Burke. That is a terrible comment. Like I said, he's channeling his inner Don Cherry. Uh, But again, I don't want my star player getting injured in a pointless game that means nothing just because people voted him in. I'm just going to I'm not disagreeing with you because I I want to disagree with you, but I'm disagreeing because I, I don't I think that. Yeah, it's it's a privilege to play in the NHL All-Star Game. And it, it is incredibly important for the sponsors. And it is incredibly important. Not just like, it's not really important, for, you know, you and I, but it's important for kids. Kids kids care about this. They want to see a guy like Dylan Bark in the All-Star Game. And selfishly, I'd like to see him face Connor McDavid and, and see if he can, he can break his own record and, and, you know, see if he'd be able to beat McDavid nowadays. Um, obviously, yeah, there's a, there's a risk factor. And, but I mean, what is the real chances of someone getting injured in the all-star game playing three on three? Yeah, there's a chance, of course, but um, it is a privilege to play in the NHL all-star game. It is something that you should be wanting to play in at least a couple of times in your career. And then, yeah, of course, after a little bit, um, you know, Datsuk and, and Zetterberg and um, Lidstrom and those guys, th- those guys turned down some opportunities, but that was after they had already played in a bunch of um, and they also were aging at that point in time. Dylan Larkin's, you know, 23, 24 years old. He should be, you know, chomping at the bit for that opportunity, especially for his own his own image. You know what I mean? Um, you know, your own personal image. You want to make yourself known and a household name. Yeah, people know who Dylan Larkin is. But if you really want to know who Dylan Larkin is, you know, that that's that's a way to get on the national stage, especially well, the fact that the Red Wings are not a playoff team and probably aren't going to be for the next couple of years. You, um, the last thing I'll say about this is, is I think Eisenman probably did have a talk with him. I don't think that, you know, that's going to come out or anything like that. But I think Eisenman probably said, hey, look, you, you can't be saying that. And the league, I'm sure, said something to Eisenman, too. Because you can't you can't have your star players in the league saying some stuff about the All Star game. Well, the thing is, he wasn't he wasn't bashing the All Star game. He was just no, saying, he, I don't want to play in it because I need the rest. I'd like the rest, and that's perfectly that. normal. And the point is, that. is one of the problems is that all the players, it's all cookie cutter lines. They all follow the business line. They don't say anything negative. And then people are like, well, why can't they speak their mind? And why can't they say what they want to say? And then as soon as someone says something that they want to say, they get bashed for it. And and to your point of him being in the national spotlight and get all these eyes on him, you you become a star by your play during the season and in the playoffs. Um, no one watches the All-Star game. It is, it is down for the third year in a row. It got a 1.1 rating last year with only 1.78 million viewers. That's down twelve uh, percent from the previous year. Yeah, so, but what is that compared to like all the other All Star games? Probably low, I mean, good. the NHL All Star game is going to be the lowest All Star All Star game in professional sports. That's true. It is also on NBC. Well, actually, it's on NBC now, right? It's not yeah. on NBC. So I guess no, I like, mean, the All Star game is what it is. I don't mean to cut you off, but like I, I, I'm not one of those people that says. Like, like we were talking about the bowl games thing and, and uh, you know, obviously there's different risks there and that kind of thing. But like when, when it comes to being an all-star and, 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 you know, just getting that opportunity, even if it's just twice and then you say, okay, no, I'm good. You know, he's only been once. I'd like to see him one more time, you know, 
And then if he, he doesn't want to do it anymore, then that's fine. But I think for the league and for the Red Wings perspective, I think he he's the guy that needs to go I, at some point. I, I get it. But like you asked about the other major league sports. So the NHL All-Star Game had 1.78 million viewers. The MLB All-Star Game had 8.69 million. <laughs> NFL had 8.23 million. NBA had 7.65 million. Uh, the only All-Star Game that it beat was Major League Soccer. So, <laughs> yeah. So no one is watching it. More people watch the Winter Classic than they watch the All-Star Game. So maybe get the Red Wings in a few more Winter Classics. Because, I, I mean, if I'm Dylan Larkin, I'm not, I don't want to play. And I get the same right as Crosby to say I don't want to play. And I get the same right as Ovechkin to say I don't want to play. Because we're all playing regular season hockey. And to play a meaningless exhibition game does not make sense. So... I to, to fix that, make the All-Star game worth something. Give an ince- actual regular season incentive to the teams. Like, why am I playing for nothing? What's the meaning of it? If there's no meaning to the game, then why play it? Yeah, and, and baseball did that for a while. They, they made that... Uh, they made the they gave home field game. advantage. Yeah, home field advantage for, for the World Series. I mean, I don't think the NHL should do something like that, but I mean... Something to the effect of that would be awesome. Yeah, why not? You know. Yeah, so I think I think Brian Burke was just being a blowhard, and he needs to, you know, step off the gas at maybe why you're not a coach anymore. I mean, I, I, like I can I can see it from your perspective. I just think that uh, when when you're a 24 year old guy or 23 year old guy, whatever Duncan is, I think you shouldn't be turning down any opportunities in terms of, uh, of in terms of playing, unless it's like the World Championships. Just- so you don't think if, if Jack Eichel said, no, nah, I don't want to go to the All-Star game, that he should be made to go because he's young? I mean, you don't have to go, but I'm just saying you should go. It's one of those things you should do for your own perspective and, and, and the league's perspective. Because no, I, I, get, I get it, you know, that, that you say no one watches the All-Star game. But, I mean, there's still a million people watching it. Yeah. There you were 2.7 I mean? million people watching the Winter Classic. Well, that brings me to my next point. Minnesota got the Winter Classic, and uh, they still haven't received a opponent. Could it be the Red Wings? But Minnesota moved the needle for me, though. I mean, yeah, I just I don't. Minnesota's a again, they're not a good team, and they're and... just a boring team to watch. Even when they were not a fun team to watch whatsoever. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux isn't really helping them. I wouldn't say at this point. I'm surprised he's still there, to be honest with you. No, so I don't I don't know what that's gonna do. I guess that that Winter Classic matchup, but the Red Wings get them into another Winter Classic. Get them into a I don't know a, a hair is it is Heritage Classic just Canadian teams now? Yeah, Canadian teams. The Stadium Series is what you'd want to see Detroit in at yeah, this point. So give us another Stadium Series. Give us a a Winter Classic. Give us something if you want to up viewership, but don't force Dylan Larkin to play in the All Star Game even if he's voted in. And don't bash him for saying he doesn't want to go because then you need to bash everyone for saying they don't want to go. Mark Andre Fleury just turned it down. So, like, I you, think Detroit and Chicago would be another good one. Yeah. I mean, any of the original six teams would be good. Detroit Boston would be good. Detroit Rangers would be good. Don't tempt me with a good time, Greg. So, Do not tempt me with a good time. That would be insane. But you keep playing teams that not a lot of people want to watch. And I get it. They're probably trying to expand those teams' market and get them a little more exposure. But the reason they don't have a big market is because they're bad. So maybe change the lottery, get them some better players, and they won't suck as much. So Yeah, this year was good. I don't know if you saw any of that. We don't have to talk about it much at all. But, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, especially the fact that that wasn't a hockey market. Neither of those are really hockey markets. I mean, they've gotten better, of course. Yeah. And now. Those, you know, they support the team really well. Dallas, the team really well over the years. But like that is just a credit to how much the NHL has grown over the last twenty years. Yeah, that they can they can confidently know that they're going to sell tickets for an outdoor game um, between two not really traditional hockey. Mates. Yeah, I did not watch the game because it was on New Year's Day and I was trying to stay alive um, because dead. I drank way too much. So. Um, yeah, so I think that's where we're going to wrap up tonight. We're pretty close to our time, um, but I want to get your final thoughts before uh, we sign off. Yeah, my final thoughts are, uh, I mean, 
for as negative as we've had of a season, there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, what goes down must come up at some point or another. Or you could end up being a team like the Coyotes or, or the Oilers. Where, Tyler, you, know, you love the light at the end of the tunnel analogy. I do love that light at the end of the tunnel analogy. Um, maybe maybe that's uh, every time I say that, you finish your beer or something. But uh, <laughs> there definitely there definitely is some light there, and uh, you know th- there are going to come up at some point. So it's just uh, it's a matter of time and uh, some patience is, is something that people are going to have to have. And uh, like I said, I have conversations with people all day about the win, and they all say, you know, it's the same thing. Just be patient, and, and good things are going to happen. Um, in terms of the, the rest of the league, I mean, just keep watching the league because I mean that there's a lot of great game went on here you just had one with Toronto and Edmonton and uh just continue to watch hockey um there's whether it be the NHL or college or junior or whatever just watch hockey there's there's a ton of great hockey going on and this may be one of the better times in the history of hockey to watch it it's every single game is competitive every single game is back and forth um, my friend's dad said the, something the other night that made me laugh he goes well there's the NHL there's the NHL, and then there's the Detroit Red Wings, who are not part of the NHL at this point in time. So, uh, but anyways, um, drink to that. And you can follow me on Twitter, at SealDog91. Yeah, I think my final thoughts are going to kind of echo yours. It's that watching the prospects was really kind of refreshing to see how well yep. they play and how much talent they have in, that, in the next two, three seasons. Uh, a lot of that talent will probably be on the team when our terrible contracts fall off. So yeah, the other thing there, there is some terrible contracts coming off. And yeah. so that's why you, you do have some cap space coming going forward. Yeah. So just pay attention to what they're doing. Pay attention to Grand Rapids, uh, the, the overseas leagues where quite a few of them play in uh, the minors where I think McIsaac is just got traded from the Moose heads to Moncton. So, yes. Yeah, so just keep up with them, see how they're progressing, and then you don't have to pay so much attention to the Red Wings. Um, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we are on every major podcast network, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, you can generally find us. You can uh, check out our merch shop on RedBubble.com if you search the Grindline. Uh, you will find our shop. We've got a ton of stuff there, even though it's not the easiest to navigate. Founders is the official beer of the Grindline podcast. Uh, so if you go check out Founders, they have a location in Detroit. Their main location is in Grand Rapids. Their beer is amazing. That's part of the reason I was dead on New Year's Day. Uh, it was just those really high content <laughs> beers that are just so delicious. And uh, we are also partnered with Howie's Hockey Tape to bring everyone a 10% discount uh, when you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie'sHockeyTape.com. Uh, so go buy a Michigan-made product, check out Howie's, uh, good deal, great tape, um, and then you get a discount, which is even better. Uh, but Best tape. Yeah, but that'll wrap it up for tonight. Uh, for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>